Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. This weekend, I'm with our extended church family up in Washington, D.C. at Metro Church. I'll be speaking there and I'll obviously be back next weekend speaking here on Easter. You're about to hear a great message from the Celebration teaching team. So church, get ready for a great message. God bless, and I'll see you on Easter. Hey church, yeah, put your hands together. Help me welcome in all of our campuses, everyone joining us via church online, uh, everyone listening to this via podcast, no matter how you tune in today, we're so glad you're here. My name is John, one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. It's a pleasure and honor to be bringing the word here to you on a Palm Sunday. It's a beautiful day outside here in Jacksonville, Florida. Just appreciate you taking some time to get your week kicked off right with us here in your church family. Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles, get out your iPhones, we'll jump right into the Word today. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. If you get out your smartphone, don't worry, I can see you. If you're here in the arena, I can see you. I will be making sure you don't scroll through your social media while you're looking at your Bible app, right? But you can get out your paper Bibles. If you're old school, turn to Matthew chapter 20. As, as you do, I would just like to take a moment to, to thank and honor Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry for the opportunity to preach. Man, it's so great to be a part of our church. Uh, my family and I, we loved it before we were on staff. We love it when we came on staff, uh, all the d- different journey over the last nine years of being on staff here at the church and, and the opportunities to preach are just such a, they're such a treasure. I really enjoy it. I enjoy preparing for it. I enjoy seeking God, getting a word and, and bringing it and delivering it to you. So without Pastor Sovon, Pastor Kerry's visionary leadership to equip and develop another generation of, of preachers in the house, I wouldn't have the opportunity. So can we put our hands together and thank Pastor Sovon and Pastor Kerry for all they do to help equip us and develop our teaching team. We're so grateful. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. A little context for us in in this, just as you're looking through it. In this passage, Jesus is en route to Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. Come on, it's Palm Sunday here. This is 2,000 or so years ago, the exact same season here where, where Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And he knows that over the course of the next week, He's going to do what we now know as was Passion Week, and, and he's going to go to the cross. His death, his burial, his resurrection is all about to happen. He knows that, and he's feeling the weight of things. He, remember, he's fully God, but he's also fully man while he's here on earth. And so he experiences the weight of things, emotions, uh, stirrings inside of him. He has to manage all those things the same way that we do. Uh, he's a God that knows our pain. He knows our suffering, amen? And here we see in the scripture that even though he has the weight of the world literally on his shoulders— we notice that he takes time to stop and show kindness to these two men in need. Let's read, starting in verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped he called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. In verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them. Everybody say compassion. Compassion at all of our campuses. Compassion. Say it again. Compassion. He had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately, everybody say immediately. They received their sight and followed him. For the next few minutes, I just want to share with you some simple ways that we can activate our faith this week, this special week, this, this week where there's a lot of momentum around our church. You saw everything in church news, kindness week, everything pastor asked about inviting people to church. This is a, a week we can capitalize on a lot of momentum in our church family. I titled this opportunity, 
or I'm going to title this message, I'm sorry, an eye for opportunity, an eye for opportunity. How many of you know Jesus is going to give you many opportunities this week to reach out with compassion and kindness and the love of Christ to people in need? Do you know that? Do you believe that here today at Celebration Church at all of our campuses? If you do, put your hands together. God is going to use you to do something incredible this week. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for the opportunities that you give us. You could snap your fingers and save the whole world. Everybody you want to get saved throughout history of mankind could get saved in an instant if you willed it that way. But instead, you give us time and you give us opportunities to be a part of the process of people coming to know you, a part of the process of people learning to, to hear your voice and learning to follow you, God. It's so exciting to be a part of that, God. It's what, it gives our life such value and meaning to, to be part of something that's an eternal significance, Lord. And we know how much you care about people. People are the thing that you're interested in the world, God. And so when we have an opportunity to show kindness and compassion and to invite people to follow you, God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts in a special way. You'd stir us up to to rise up into action and maybe take steps of of faith to overcome fear. We've sung about how your name is above fear, God. I pray that this week you would help us rise above fear and rise above all the different things that would keep us back from sharing the love of Christ to a dying world and people in need. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, church. Hey, who here, by a show of hands, at all of our locations, who would consider yourself busy? Anybody busy? Yeah, come on, wave them, hands up all around the room, all of our venues. Man, we're busy. We're busy people. I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm, I'm very organized. I'm not real neat, but I'm an organized guy, right? I use the uh, Outlook calendar like a boss. You know, I manage that thing. At least my assistants do. They manage it like a boss for me. You can visit them in Trembling Hills and ask them how it is, and they will say he manages it like a boss. They're recovering nicely. Thank you very much. I pack my calendar full of stuff. I fill up every block. It's like Tetris for professionals. I try to make sure that every single square is filled with something. If there's a blank spot in my Outlook calendar, I actually put a spot in there that says margin. And I leave that open so that it's full, but it's full of nothing. This is very important to me that every single block is filled before my week begins. I feel like I'm not even working if my calendar isn't full. So some of you, you're sitting in the seats and you're thinking, that ain't how I work. Some of you are sitting in seats. Uh, no, don't raise your hands to this, but how many of you hate like people that are overorganized like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand because the person sitting next to you, they probably are the one in the, the family that's the organized one. Come on, you're a clear blue sky thinker. You like to capitalize on opportunities as they emerge. Let's explore some more options before we make a decision. It doesn't matter what your organizational bent is, whether you're super organized and you plan everything out or whether you like to fill your days as they emerge, we're all busy. We are busy people. We see this in, in, in the life of Jesus. Would you say that he was pretty busy? Come on, man, he had a lot going on. We're talking about the week leading up to Easter. We're talking about Passion Week. He had a lot going on in his life. But yet we see in the scriptures here that no matter how busy he is and, and preoccupied with the bigger picture of things, he's, he knows that the weight of the world and the fate of all mankind is, is in his hands. And, and yet he takes time to minister to people in need. I think that this is something you can see all throughout the New Testament. If you've read the New Testament and the Gospels and you've learned this about Jesus, this is something that's consistent in him. It's a character trait that Jesus has. He's never so concerned with everything that's going on that he's not able to take time and minister to the individual person in need. Would you agree with that with me? If you've ever read about Jesus, you read the scriptures, I would hope that you'd agree. 
Now, in our lives, obviously, the weight of the world is not on our shoulders, but our lives are busy, and the busyness comes in layers. I think you'd agree with me. The first layer is kind of that, that you have all the family things, depending on your season of life. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's work. It's just the general busyness of life. The next layer of busyness tends to be, for me anyway, is when you're facing challenges in life, life's challenges that come along. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're up against a health issue. You're battling uh, or maybe you've got a, a teenager who's far from God, somebody that you love, that you care about, that you're, you're praying for and you're involved in their lives, you're engaged in their lives. Maybe it's a financial issue that you're working through, a financial challenge that you're up against. These things tend to bog us down, wouldn't you agree? It, it doesn't matter like how much needs to get done. When you're doing these things, it's like moving in molasses. You, you see everything that needs to get done and you just can't get to it. It seems like you're you're too busy to ever get your day complete. The next layer of business comes from chores. Uh, just, you got to clean the house. You got to mow the yard. You got to do all that kind of stuff. The next layer comes from entertainment. You got to go surfing. You got to go to the gym. You got to binge watch on Netflix. The next layer comes to this way. It's actually social media. You want to be on Facebook. Like, 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 like. You got to be on Instagram. Scroll, 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 scroll. We should invent something in Instagram that would remove all the physical activity involved with scrolling. Oh, look, Insta stories. Now I can just sit completely motionless and stare at my screen as all the people that I know's lives scroll before me, staring it into the abyss and slipping slowly into madness. <laughs> and I haven't even gotten to Snapchat streaks. Come on, that's not a fraternity prank anymore. These are streaks. You have to keep your snaps alive. Apparently my, my daughters do this. They, they have like hundreds of friends and every day they have to send one of them, they have to send them a random picture on Snapchat of them looking at themselves in the camera. A random picture to keep the streak alive. So they got 100 friends, 100 days on Snapchat. They got to keep the streak alive or they'll lose all their streaks. We're busy. We're busy. We're all busy. It's in layers after layer after layer after layer. And whether you're an organizational guy or whether you're that clear blue sky thinker, we got to think about Jesus. We got to think about how his character, even with everything on his plate, he still took time. Even with all those layers of responsibility, Jesus still took time to minister to individuals that we, he would come across throughout the course of his day. And the problem for us, even though it's like a badge of honor to be busy, is that we can manage our time so tightly and fill up every crack of availability. We don't leave any room for those surprise opportunities that God brings along. Would you agree with me that, that God sometimes disguises those opportunities as interruptions to your day? No matter how organized you are, man, it can be an interruption. You didn't plan for it, but bam, the opportunity emerges for you to show kindness or love or compassion to a person in need. And that's exactly what we see in the narrative here today. He's busy, he's at his peak of his ministry. He's, he knows in the next week, he's gonna go from being a hero to being a, a criminal, to being on the cross, to being in the grave, to being the risen savior and king. Now notice in this passage, how these two men that he ministers to, the ultimate miracle really is to get saved. It's to, the, a supernatural miracle occurs in a person's heart that opens up their heart and their mind to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. In the case in here, uh, these men are blind and they receive physical healing for their sight. As we go throughout Kindness Week this week, you may not see many physical healings, but I want to remind you the most important and miraculous healing of them all is that a person would open up their heart and receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Those are the kind of miracles. I'd love to see those kind of miracles. Would you agree? Man, that's exciting when somebody receives a miracle like that. I don't know. You might see the dead raised this week. I wouldn't put to pass God, but how about if we were positioned in a way that you might see somebody come to know the Lord as their Savior, have their eternal destiny changed forever in an instant because of something you contributed this week. Just a little bit of time, a little bit of attention, a little bit of compassion. Let's take a look at the scriptures right now. We're going to read through this story, and I just want to share with you a few things that, that kind of jumped off the page to me 
about how Jesus wants to perform miracles of salvation in our midst. In verse 29, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. They're blind, just like before Jesus. We're all spiritually blind. We don't, we don't know the voice of the Lord before we receive Jesus as our Savior. The scripture says that we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts, God raised, us, raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And it's in that instant where our, what's, we believe in our hearts matches with a confession of faith. In an instant, everything is transformed. It's not just a religious activity that we do here on Sundays where we raise our hand at the end of a service and get saved. There's something that happens in the heart of a person when they open up their heart heart to Jesus and everything's different. When you, when you, when, when you change that way on the inside and, and profess Christ as your Savior and Lord, everything changes in an instant. Just like the physical eyes are opened for these blind men, our spiritual eyes are opened. We begin to hear the voice of Jesus. The Bible, the words of the Bible begin to leap off the page. Come on, you've been saved any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody here know what, you're, what I'm talking about? Man, the Bible didn't make any sense. And then you got saved and you're like, look at that. It's talking about me. It's like the preacher every weekend. He's just talking right to me. I can't believe what happened. Well, I got saved. And now the Bible says that when you give your life to the Lord, not only you're saved, but you get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God sits on the throne in heaven. Right? And to his right hand, the seat of all authority, sits his son, Jesus. Jesus is seated in the right hand of the throne of the Father. That's in Hebrews. You can read it. I just read it with my daughter this week. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Heavenly Father in heaven. Uh, who's in your heart? His spirit. He says that when you give your life to me, I will impart my spirit unto you. And it's better that I go to heaven so that I can give you my spirit. That's better than me even being here at church with you on Sunday. If my spirit can be in all of my people at the same time, I'll accomplish all of my purposes for all mankind, for all of history. That's how Jesus gets the work done. He does the heavy lifting through his people by his spirit inside. Oh man, I said to preach a minute on that. Come on, I hope that, somebody's hearing me at all our campuses. Anybody hearing me out there? Man, you're filled with the spirit of God, the power of God. My goodness. Woo. Okay, back to the scripture. All right, so when they, they heard that Jesus is going by, these blind men, they hear that Jesus is going by, they shout, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. This is, at the time, this is them professing their faith in Christ. They're saying, Lord, son of David, by saying that, they're saying, we believe that you are the Messiah that the scripture speaks of, that the, the law and the prophets say that the, the, you're the Messiah, the one that's going to come and deliver all of God's people, come and save us to uh, usher in the kingdom of God. We believe you are that man, the son of David. They're saying that I have faith in you, just like we confess faith in Christ and we receive him as our savior and Lord. In verse 31, the crowd rebuked them. How about that? The crowd rebuked them. Come on, how many you know when you, when you get saved? Man, the whole world's out to get you. All hell breaks loose against you. When God starts moving in your heart, you know what? I'm going to get saved. I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Ho, ho. The, the enemy will bring out the big guns. You know what I'm saying? He's going to do everything he can to keep you from crossing that threshold and, and changing your life for the better. Even people that are well-meaning will come out of the woodwork to try to get you to reconsider. Hey, are you sure you want to get all serious about this Jesus thing? You know, we have a lot of fun at the club on Friday nights. You know, we won't be able to do that anymore if you get all Jesus-y on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'll have to, I'll have to you know, give up my Saturday nights just to be at church on Sunday. <laughs> All hell will break loose against you, but I promise you, man, that's not the first time. This is how it's always been. The world and the enemy are against people coming to Christ and receiving the freedom and the, the hope of eternal life. In verse 32, Jesus, he stops and he calls them. What do you, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I love this. I used to be a waiter. I love that. Can I take your order, please? Jesus says, what would you like me to do to you? He's got, he's got the whole weight of the world on his shoulders. He's heading for the cross. He stops. Hey, what can I do for you? Can you imagine that? I always like to think of Jesus like talking in my voice. Some people are like, Jesus, you know, he's probably got this big, thus saith 
thou art. I don't know, man. I like to tend to think of Jesus in my voice. Hey, what's happening, man? What can I do for you? Can you imagine that? That's pretty fun. Huh? What's, hey, what's up? How's it going? Put Jesus in your, own, in your own voice. It'll help you relate to him better. That's what I found. What can I do for you? Can you imagine that, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords? Hey, what can I do for you? That's how Jesus loves us. That's how he relates to us. He's, he's plain and simple with him. What, what would you want me to do for you? I think that's a word for somebody here today, man. God's not too busy for you. God is not too busy for you. Can I just say that? You may think that God's like been removed from your circumstance, removed from your problems. Man, you may be going through a trial today. You might be, you might find yourself in despair, despondency, hopelessness here today. You're facing one of those massive challenges that life layers on. You're facing that here today. You may have walked with the Lord at one time. You may be thinking, man, I'm going through all the motions. I'm doing everything right. I've got my quiet time. I'm, I'm reading the scriptures. I'm praying. I'm going to church. Why aren't things seeming to work out for me? I want you to know that God's not forgotten about you. God is with you. He is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? He never leaves you or forsakes you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's your heavenly father. He won't ever leave you. He's way better than any earthly dad. I promise you, he's your heavenly father. And man, there's some good dads in the earth. I aspire to be one. My dad is. But honestly, God is way above anything that we can ever pull off here on earth. He is the best parent in the history of parenting. He loves you and he cares about you and he's for you. And in due season, I promise you, he will deliver you through every challenge that you face. I promise you that. God is not too busy for you. He's not forgotten about you, church. Come on, write that down in your journal. Take a note in your phone. Email yourself. Text yourself. God is not too busy for you, girl. Woo! Come on. Verse 33, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. This is what we want you to do for us. You, you've asked us what you want, what, what, what you can do for us. I, we want our sight. We want to be healed. And these, these blind men, what, the, what they're saying here is they're saying, we want to be restored to community by, by their, their disability and by their, their, uh, their sightlessness. They would have been marginalized. They're off to the side. Here's this procession, this large crowd following Jesus into Jerusalem. And, and people are assuming that it's going to be a political takeover. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is here to be our political deliverer, to deliver us from the oppression of Roman rule and reestablish God's political kingdom on the earth. That's what kind of the buzz amongst the crowd. These men know what's going on. They believe that he's Messiah. And they want to be a part. They don't want to be left behind. They want to be a part of God's kingdom. And so they say, restore our sight so that we can follow you. And that's exactly what they do. Just like when our spiritual eyes are opened, the next very next thing that we do is we just start to follow Jesus. We may not have all the answers. We may not know what's coming next, but we just start to follow Jesus. Amen. You might not have all the theology. You might not have everything. Single question answered. You can walk through life for 60 years following Jesus. I guarantee you, you will still have questions about life, about the world, about theology, about doctrine. It's okay. Your questions will all be answered one day in heaven because you're following Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? Come on. Yeah. Give, your, give God a round of applause. In the meantime, it's okay. Wrestle with God. Ask him questions. Study the scriptures. Come to church. Hear messages. Pull the Bible apart for yourself. It's going to be a constant journey for us as we follow Jesus, just like for these two men. Now they get up and they follow Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus opens their physical and their spiritual eyes on that Palm Sunday in an instant. But what an incredible, incredible opportunity. He could have just passed them by, but instead he chose to create a miracle in their lives. For the next few minutes, I want to land this message with three simple steps 
that each one of us is followers of Christ. Come on, he's called us, he's healed us, and now we're following him. I'm gonna give you three simple steps that we can take to develop an eye for opportunity so we can see these opportunities as they emerge in real time in the life around us and the interactions we have with people around us. I'm gonna give you three simple steps. Take notes, you will forget. By the time you get past barbecue for lunch, you will forget everything I say if you do not write it down. It's very important. First step, cultivate compassion. Cultivate compassion. Everything that we just read in this passage, all revolves around Jesus' compassion for these two blind men. He's moved by compassion to pause what he's doing and care for those people in need. And I would even say this, that our desire for comfort and for uh, control and for convenience is an enemy to our compassion. These things are intention with each other. Wouldn't you agree that our desire to be in charge of our comfort, of our convenience and our control can often preclude us and keep us from showing compassion to people around us in need. This comes out of the scriptures too. It's not just you. Aren't you glad? I think it's a great part of being a part of a church family. You can say, hey, it's not just me. Awesome. We're all in this thing together. Here's what the Bible says about it in James chapter four. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? <laughs> Don't you like that? I love that. That's straight up. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Ooh, that's a hard scripture on a Sunday, Palm Sunday morning, isn't it? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? I have a funny story to tell about this. And I want to go ahead and apologize to my family. They're here. And I think in Orlando, they're watching right now. I'm going to apologize real quick. Man, my daughters are amazing. They're awesome. Young ladies, 15, 13, great, incredible young ladies. But um, man, it takes a lot of hard work along the way and sacrifice to kind of get them there. There's a lot of mistakes that we make along the way to get them there. And I know it's all in the grace of God, but man, you got to hang on tight. All the parents in the, in the house said, amen. But um, man, I, I, I just remember a time that, that uh, I'm on my way. It was just a bad day. I just don't think I got my quiet time. I was out of my rhythm, didn't eat enough coffee. I don't know what it is, but, um, but I was having a bad day. And come on, man, we got two girls. There's some fighting that goes on in our house. Anybody siblings, girls, feel me on this? Or you got siblings? You're like, yeah, we fight all the time. Man, my girls would fight. Great young ladies, awesome godly young ladies of high character. They love to fight with each other. It's some kind of sibling rivalry thing that I don't understand. I'm an only child. What happened? Why are they fighting all the time? I don't know. Have we broken them? They're fighting, they're arguing, they're getting at each other. My wife, she's one of three girls. She assures me, hey, everything's going to be all right. Just hang in. So one morning I'm taking them to school and, and they're in the back. This is a while ago. They were, they were little. They're in the backseat of the car. We're driving. I've had a bad day or a bad morning. I'm not in my right frame of mind for it. And they're just going at it in the backseat, just fighting with each other. She touched me. She touched me. She, she stole my stuff. I don't remember what it was. Man, I just had enough. I just had enough. And I just, ah, just slam on the brake. I jerk the wheel over to the side of Atlantic Boulevard. I'm just like, stop fighting. I can't take it. Stop it. Come on, man. You, I'm a pastor. The pastor loves you. I'm a pastor, man. They say if you, if you, sh you want to really impress people, share your uh, successes with them. You want to inspire them, share your failures. You're welcome. It's all for you. So, I'm finding the girls, their response is just like, whoa. <laughs> Pastor dad just lost it. So we get him to school. You know, the next day I'm in my quiet time. I'm like, oh, Lord, I love you so much. Oh, Lord, if there's any foul thing inside of me, please just highlight it by your Holy Spirit that I might repent of it and live my life for you. And he's like, you need to apologize to your daughters for that little outburst. 
I'm like, oh no, I knew you were going to bring that up. So man, like for me, it's always like a trade-off. Like I don't try to stop what I'm doing. I try to find the better way to do it in the scriptures. So you go to the scripture and this is the verse that I find. Man, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not the selfish desires that wage war within you? The scripture says that if you're in an argument and you're in a fight with somebody, it's your fault. It has nothing to do with the other person. Did you, did you read that in the scriptures? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your selfish desires and ambitions, your desire for comfort, your desire for control, your desires that wage war within you? And it says in the verses previous to that, it says, if you'll be a peacemaker, all the fuel is taken out of the fire. Oh, come on, somebody got that. Hey. I'm like, all right. So here's a better way. What causes fights and quarrels among you? So I memorized I have that scripture. I'm like, all right, girls. Next time I'm fighting, I'm like, all right, girls. Pastor dad has a word for you. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's the selfish desires that wage war within you. So they're like, yeah, whatever. We start working on that. And over, over time, I'm telling you, parents, stick with it. Over time, instead of losing your temper and start, okay, what causes, hey, think about this. What causes fights and quarrels? What's the scripture say? What's God say? He says it's, it's up to you to bring peace. And so we, we practice it over and over again. Then, I don't know, at one point, my, my wife and I are in the living room. We're upstairs in the living room, and I'm... And we hear a fight break out. Here comes another fight. They're going at it downstairs in the bedroom. She stole my stuff. She stole my makeup. I don't remember what it was. But um, I love them. God bless them. They're awesome. But um, and they, they let me tell these stories to all you guys so you can learn from our mistakes. I'm so grateful. But anyway, uh, so we hear one come upstairs. She did this. She did that. I'm like, hey, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I hear from downstairs, my wife and I hear from downstairs, her selfish desires that wage war within her. I don't put names on which one was which. You can figure it out yourself. Isn't that it though? Man, we want our control. We want comfort. We want our convenience. When that stuff is threatened, it's usually when we get mad. It's when we stop being compassionate on the other person. Man, we need to learn how to forgive and release bitterness and offense. We need to learn how to be gracious with the people around us. If we have compassionate hearts, we'll do that. It'll change the, the temperature of, of your family, the, the temperature of your neighborhood, your community, your workplace, when you're, you're compassionate and gracious with the people around you. That's why I want to encourage you to do that. I don't think that we can do this whole Kindness Week thing unless we have compassion in our hearts. The same compassion that drove Jesus to stop, pause, and do what God had given to capitalize on that opportunity, we need to cultivate that in our hearts. Amen? Are you with me? All right, there's many ways to do that here at church. Just the practice of the disciplines of following God, capitalizing on opportunities to be compassionate. I want to encourage you to go to growth track. Go to growth track after service. We'll, we'll coach you and teach you. These are some ways that you can develop these habits in your life that are going to cultivate compassion. I promise your pastoral staff here, we love you, and we're here to serve you and we're help you to this end. Amen? So we're going to cultivate compassion. This week, you're going to have an opportunity to cultivate compassion. And what it's going to sound like to you is fighting and quarreling. It's going to be tough. Your, your, your comfort might be threatened. But remember the voice of pastor. Oh, yeah, when it is. <laughs> this is an opportunity for me to be compassionate. Amen? All right, next thing we're going to do. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to cultivate this in our hearts. And we're going to make margin. This is the next one to write down. Man, we're going to make some margin in our day. I told you, this is, this is hard for me. This is hard for me. I have to schedule my margin. But man, how have I been? I've been busy. If you ask me, man, my life's pretty busy. How have we been? Busy. We're all busy, right? But guess whose responsibility is to create margin in your calendar? Is it your pastor's? Nope. Is it God's responsibility to create margin in your schedule? Nope. Nope. It's yours. 
It's mine. It's our responsibility. We're responsible for how we steward the resources, the, uh, the resources God gives us, our time, our energy, our talents, our money. Like all those things, God gives them to us. It's up to us to steward them well. And come on, don't check out on me, but I'm about to bring up a, a chapter or a verse out of Leviticus. Don't you check out on me, Celebration Church, but I'm going to give you some Leviticus 19. 9 and 10, right here, right now. It's all scripture. It's all God breathed. And this is a good one that you need to know. This is kind of the source of, of margin and, and this principle of margin in the scriptures. God says this to his people. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Everybody say margin. All right, don't reap the, to the very edges of your field. The field is your resource. It's the thing that God's trusted to you. And in an agrarian culture, this would have been, uh, the, man, the, the people that own land, the landowners, they were the power brokers. They had all the resources because people got to eat. And the people that own the land have all the food. And so they had, what God is starting to talk to them about is the practice of how they manage and steward those resources. He says this, don't go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Here's the key. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. In the Old Testament, I love that. That's God's mic drop. He says, hey, do this. I'm the Lord your God. That's, whenever you read that, I don't know. Again, I put the Bible in my own voice so that I can relate to God, right? If I was God, I'd drop the mic right there. The landowners controlled all the resources, and, and, and all of us have resources, limited resources that we steward, time, energy, money, and what God says, he says, you sow all the way to the edges of your property. But he says, don't reap all the way to the edges of your property. Leave some margin. Leave margins on the outskirts of your property. And don't go through and try to make sure that you convert every single kernel of wheat to wealth for yourself. He says, leave those, it says, for the poor and the foreigner, for those who are marginalized, those who are in need. Because remember, God's trying to provide for the poor and the need. He has to do it through the power brokers. How about that? If they owned the land, they were stewarding the land. And if they didn't leave any margin, the poor and the, the penniless and the foreigners in the land wouldn't have anything to eat. God says, I want things to be different with my people. I want my people to be a source of joy and support and hope for all the people of the earth, even if they don't belong to the God's family. How about that? Do you see it? And you see where it comes? from it comes from the margins it comes from leaving margin in our resources it's so important to know this too that, that God's very specific about so many things he tells Noah exactly how big to build the ark he tells David uh, numerically like this is how to build the tabernacle the temple weights measures all those things you notice that and if you read the old testament you know what he doesn't say about the margin he doesn't say how big to leave it he doesn't say how wide to make the margins guess who's in charge of that you get to decide you get to decide how much margin you're going to create in your schedule. And according to your generosity and how wide you make the margins of your life, God will send generosity into the community through you and your ability to set aside a portion for God to use for others. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Gosh, come on, man. You never got so much out of Leviticus in your life. You're fired up, aren't you? Come on, we're going to be compassionate. We're going to make margin in our lives. We know that we can make a difference in the world if we'll give God space to work in our lives. And we make margins for him to fill. Amen? So that we're going to put this into practice this week. We're going to cultivate compassion in our hearts. We're going to make some margin in our time. And then the third thing we're going to do, we're going to be kind. I didn't even need to use alliteration for this one, man. I just straight up, this is all you need to remember, Pastor. All you said, be kind. I just, I'm going to be kind this weekend. I wish that Christians were known for this. I've noticed this, that... Um, just, I, I don't know, I've been following the Lord like 20 years. I've never really noticed anybody come up to me and say, man, you're a Christian? Man, Christians are the kindest people I've ever met. I don't know, maybe some of that 
Some of you have heard that before, man. You know what I hear? Christians are judgmental. They're hypocrites. They're bossy. They're political. They're opinionated. That's what people, when I talk to lost people about Christians, they're like, yeah, I hate church. Never once I've had somebody say, Christian? Wow, you're a Christian? Christians are the kindest people I've ever met. You know why that's a travesty? Because the fruit of the Spirit inside of us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? If the Spirit is live and active inside of us, kindness should just be flowing out of us like nothing. There's something about it. We, we, we don't do that. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, come on, man, I'm bringing some more heat on the conviction. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Thus saith the Lord, right? Does this mean nothing to you? Whoa, look at this verse. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Many of you, if you've memorized this in an older translation or a different translation, his kindness leads us to repentance. Do you understand that when we're compassionate and kind to other people, they see the love of God for the very first time when we're kind to them. God, you know how God accomplishes kindness in the earth? He doesn't just snap his fingers and everybody feels kindness. You know how he expresses kindness in the earth? Through you and through me. Like if we withhold kindness from people, we're withholding God's kindness from the world. How about that? And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not bashing people over the head with a Bible or telling them, man, you shouldn't be doing that. Why are you doing that? You know what convinces people that they need to give their lives to the Lord? It's God's kindness. And when we display that kindness to people, it changes the atmosphere of a conversation. And that's what brings us to this landing point for the message today. Man, Kindness Week is more than just church news, all right? It's not going to stay on the screen and you go home. All right, Kindness Week is more than just the flyers that we've got printed up for you in the lobby of all of our locations, all right? This isn't, this isn't just something that's, oh man, this is just another thing at the church. We have an opportunity this week to see a powerful move of God. We could, two things could happen next Easter Sunday. We could either come back here on Easter Sunday in our Easter bonnet, I won't have one on, but you might. We'll get dressed up. We'll take our Easter pictures for our family, for our Instagram, right? We'll, we'll enjoy the songs. We'll enjoy the presence of God. We won't have a single testimony of how God used us this week. And we won't have a single person in tow. If we just treat this week as common and it's just another week, we'll be busy. We are busy people. We will be busy and we'll be too busy to capitalize on the momentum that our church has, the momentum around Easter, the easy invite it is around Easter time to convince somebody who doesn't have a church family to come and join us. We will miss that if we treat this week as common. That's what Kindness Week is all about. An opportunity to be compassionate to people in need. And so sometimes we, we end our services with, with song and worship and stuff. We're going to end today a little bit differently. Are you ready? Just bear with me just for a, a few minutes at all of our locations online. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your journal. Remember, I've been talking about your phone, your journal, whatever it is you're taking notes in right now. And we're going to hear from the voice of the Lord. We're going to hear from the Lord right now, right here. I want to do a, a, just a quick, brief, two-minute spiritual exercise with us here in this holy moment in the presence of the Lord. All of our campuses do the same. Get out your notes. And I want you to look up on the screen. We're going to put uh, a list of different things that you can participate in in Kindness Week. This is on our website too. If you're uh, joining us online, we have these resources available for you. I know for, for some of you, you're the blue sky thinkers. You're thinking creatively like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. I need a list to choose from personally so I can drop it into my calendar. All right, that's what we're here to help you. But here's what the most important thing is. Just for these next few moments, 
you're in God's presence, I want you to hear the one that God is speaking to you to commit to this week. You don't have to do all of them, but which one is God speaking to you? Right now, hear his voice. Listen for his voice. He will highlight one of these things or even speak to you something creative and unique. Maybe there's a, somebody that you know of who's uh, in a challenging situation, who's uh, got a health issue they're struggling through. Maybe it's a, a young couple who, who needs a babysitter and you need to, uh, they need a date. They need a date night and you're gonna babysit their kids. There's a million ways you can show kindness and compassion. Now write it down. The simple act of writing it down will take it out of the imaginary realm in your head and put it on paper. Don't worry, you're not gonna turn this in. This is between you and God. But just that simple act of recording it so that you can keep yourself accountable for what God just spoke to you, write it down, record it right here, right now in this moment. There's pens in all of our seats, connection card, whatever it takes, just jot it down. Jot it down. I will do this, Lord. I promise you right now, God is going before you and he's preparing the way before you. Jot it down right now, commit to it. I'm gonna do this this week, Lord. So one more thing I want you to write down. Right now, just, let's just close our eyes together, all of our locations. Close your eyes, just real quick, make a sacred space there where you're sitting. I wanna ask, I want you to ask God, God, who do you want me to invite next week? This isn't a number, this isn't a, yeah, I'll invite someone. Who is the specific person God is laying on your heart right now that you know is far from God or not in church that God wants you to invite next week? Invitations are about individuals. We wanna get that person to church. We don't just wanna broadcast that we have Easter services. God is speaking to that person right now. He's saying, next week you need to go to church. And all you gotta do is come along and harvest. Hey, you wanna come to church? They're like, you know, I was thinking about that. I promise you, he goes before us and he's our rear guard. He always goes ahead of us. He's sowing seeds in that person's heart, that individual person, that, they're a person, they're a soul. They are a son or a daughter of God. He loves them, they're far from him. He wants them to come home. And you're gonna be a part of that process when you just show up and say, hey, you wanna come to church with me next weekend? Write it down so that you can keep yourself accountable. I said, you're not gonna turn this in, man. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking around the room here and I know our Midtown venue, I think they're tuning in and around these spaces, there's maybe 1,700 people, 1,800 people. You just heard from God. Those are 1,800 acts of kindness that are gonna happen throughout the city of Jacksonville this week. If you'll follow through on what God just spoke to you. Yeah, come on, put your hands together for God. 1,800 acts of kindness. If you'll simply do what God has asked you to do, just do it, simple, easy. That's also another, 1,800, you're gonna invite those people to come to church as well. So you combine that with the, the other 1,800 people that God put on your heart to invite, that's like 3,600 people that will be receiving a personal invitation from one of you to come to church next weekend. Can you imagine what might happen if 3,000 people who are far from God or not in a church home come to church at our church next weekend? Do you see how this could be an opportunity for us to have a massive move of God right here in our midst next week? Do you see it, church? I think you're starting to see it. And you and I, we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part. God can snap his fingers and make it happen in an instant, but instead he's gonna let us play a part. He's gonna do all the heavy lifting, but we're gonna be able to be compassionate, 
kind to people in need and we're gonna see God move in a powerful way. Come on, let's close our eyes and pray. I do wanna lead one group of people in, in prayer just real quick. If you're here today and you need a fresh start with God, you know you're far from God, you wanna come home today or you've never prayed a prayer, you can't remember ever asking Jesus to be your savior, to be your Lord, surrendering your life to him. You can't remember ever doing that or maybe you followed Jesus at one time and today you wanna come home. If you fit in, and maybe either one of those broad categories, I wanna give you an opportunity, the opportunity of a lifetime to respond to what God's probably already doing in your heart. To say, yes, God, I want a fresh start with you. I wanna know you. I want you to be my savior and Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I want you to change my life and I wanna be with you forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our locations, if that's you, you want me to include you in that prayer, would you just slip a hand in the air and say, that's me, God, I wanna get saved. I wanna give my life to you. Amen, amen, amen. Oh man, all around this room, there's hands up all around. Come on, put them up high. This is the best opportunity of your entire lifetime. The world out there will try to keep you from coming to Christ. Here, you're gonna be celebrated as you come to Christ in church. Come on. Church, can we put our hands together for all those making that decision? Amen. So proud of all of you. It takes courage to do that, even in a group this large, you know? But let's all bow our heads again. And I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer. Let's all say this together as a church family. Those who are saying it for the first time, just know what the scripture says. Today is a day that is gonna be like no other. Your life is gonna be transformed and you are gonna leave here right with God. Say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I've run from you in the past and I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my savior and Lord. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you with everything I've got for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I lift up all of your people today, God, that as we go out in the highways and byways today, as we go out into our city, God, we know that you're going before us. God, let your anointing be on each of us to bring kindness and compassion into places of need. God, I thank you that you're going before us. You're preparing the way. God, when we come, it's not even going to be hard. It's going to be a harvest, God, a simple harvest to come along and to bring souls, thousands of people into your kingdom over these next few weeks and days. God, we love you. We thank you that your anointing is on us to do these things. You are the supernatural and almighty God of the universe. We love being your people. We love being your sons and daughters. Heavenly Father, go before us and use us in a powerful way as you cultivate compassion in our lives and we make margin, God, as we're kind to others, we believe that you're gonna do a supernatural work in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, church, put your hands together one more time. We love you. Remember, growth track is going on for you out in the classroom right now. Uh, I will see you at Connect if you made that decision to give your life to the Lord. Or if you want to know more about the church, come see me. We would love to see you next week. God bless you and have an incredible week. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.